And we are on air for Fan for Racing Radio tonight. This is Thursday night, July the 7th, and uh, we have a big show planned for tonight. Uh, we are going to be reviewing, or uh, previewing, I mean, uh, the NASCAR weekend at both Atlanta and Mid-Ohio, and of course our Hot Topic Sound Off segment with our Fan for Racing crew starts at 10 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Now, in this episode, we're going to start with some short track news and upcoming races around uh, the country. Then we'll also preview the Arkham Menards and Sioux Chief Showdown Series at Mid-Ohio, along with some updates from the Arca East and West Series. At 9 o'clock, we do have some pre-race audio from NASCAR Truck Series points leader Zane Smith. He's the driver of the number 38 Front Row Motorsports Ford. After that, we're going to preview the NASCAR Truck Series at Mid-Ohio. At 9.30, we start our Xfinity and Cup Series at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And then, of course, as I mentioned before, uh, stay tuned for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off that will start at 10 p.m. tonight. Okay. Um, Trying to figure out where Jay is here. Okay, Jay says he's trying to call in. He's in the queue, so let me see if we can bring him in now. Um, yeah, we had some last-minute business to take care of there, but uh, I'm glad you were able to make it onto the show here, Jay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, unmuted at the right time. I was still discussing my issues with my computer, so uh, you unmuted at the right time. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Okay, so uh, I've gone through the agenda, and uh, we're at the point now of uh, getting into some of the short track news starting at Race America. Uh, So there's quite a few upcoming events. Uh, Matt Kenseth is going to be – he's looking forward to racing uh, new faces in the SRX uh, coming up this weekend, so we can look for – Matt Kenseth to be in that SR that next XRX race. Yeah, coming up at Nashville should be a great weekend there in the Music City. Going to be the race city this weekend for a couple of series. But having Matt Kenseth involved in that, I think, is another great one. Just like we just saw Ryan Newman pick up a victory, to see Matt Kenseth back in that series is great as well. Yeah, I think he's racing the last three races of the season. So uh, Nashville is just the first of those three races, so it is going to be fun. Uh, Some of the drivers they've got on the list here are Joseph Newgarden, uh, Tony Kanan, Paul Tracy, Helio Castroneves, Ryan Hunter-Ray, Marco Andretti, Ernie Francis Jr., and Haley Deegan is back as well. That's another one. I, I like seeing her do the uh, selected starts. I know that was Tony's intent when he started the series was to have a couple of the cup or NASCAR top level series drivers come in. Uh, as it worked out, we got some IndyCar, some retired. I don't know if we can use that word, but uh, not currently <laughs> active cup drivers in Matt Kenseth and Ryan Newman. So uh, quite the mix. And then we bring in the young drivers, uh, each week that they use from the local area. I love that aspect to it. 
Absolutely. Well, we're going to see Matt Kenseth again because he's also on the entry list for the Slinger Nationals that are coming up as well. Uh, it's quite an entry list and pretty star-studded. You've got uh, Ryan Stefano, Lowell Bennett, Michael Biderback, uh, Luke Thunhouse, Casey Johnson, Johnny Sauter, uh, from the NASCAR Truck Series, uh, a lot of people know him. He's a Wisconsin native. John DeAngelis, Matt Kenseth, also a Wisconsin native. Derek Krause, uh, who uh, ra- raced for Bill McAnally Racing. I think he was originally from Wisconsin. Then you've got Alex Prunty, Carson Hosevar, a lot of people know that name, Austin Nason, Gabe Summers. Uh, Grant Greisbach, Max Collar, Ty Majeski, another uh, Wisconsin native, Sammy Smith from the Arkham Menard Series, LaVon Vandergeest, William Byron from the Cup Series, Jeff Storm, Bubba Pollard, a big name in uh, 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 super late model racing, Nick Wagner, Andrew Morrissey, Jeremy, Jeremy Leepak, Dennis Prunty, Derek Thorne. We had Derek on our show uh, about a week or so ago, and he talked about racing here at the Slinger Nationals. Brad Keith, Kyle Crump, Steve Appel, Stephen Nassi, Rich Loke, Locke, <laughs> uh, David McArdle, Michael Good, Ryan Farrell, Brad Mueller, Steve Dorr, R.J. Braun, Conrad Morgan, Jacob Nottestad, and Rob Braun. So uh, this is a huge event for the um, uh, Slinger Nationals this year, the Elite Super Elite Eight Super Late Models at Slinger. Well, we heard several. You mentioned several Wisconsin natives. Uh, you know, for the for the North North Midwest northeast of the midwest um that race is just like we talk about um the snowball derby in pensacola and the race out at irwindale for the california side so you see a lot of these wisconsin natives coming back but to see bubba pollard and and steven nassi be on that list you know that means their names are getting attention and this is just going to add to it with them being part of the slinger nationals well, something we learned in our interview with Derek Thorne a couple of weeks ago is that Derek actually lived in Wisconsin uh, for some time. And so he said he was looking forward to going back and seeing some of the people that he got to know when he was living there. So uh, I'm sure that's one of the reasons uh, Slinger Nationals is on his list of uh, tracks that he's racing on across the country this season. Yeah, that one was a little bit uh, surprising to hear him see, to hear him say that he was going to be a part of that. Um, I well deserved, and I can't wait to see how he does uh, as part of it. But as you mentioned, it's a star-studded entry list, uh, and there's some big names on there. And we've talked about it before. This is where some of these drivers catch the eye of cup dr- other cup drivers, crew chiefs, or owners. Um, that they see them race in events like this. So that's really a good uh, good highlighted area to get recognized. It, it really is. Um, so anyway, there there just is a slew of articles here at, um, at uh, 
Racing America uh, that you need to take a look at. Uh, there's some live events that are upcoming, uh, and if you are a Racing America subscriber, uh, you can watch a lot of these events. Uh, and they have a list of all of them. Uh, Friday there's two, the Barefoot Reality Night uh, out at, and I can't see the name of the uh, track. I'm trying to see the name of the track here. Um, I can't really see the name of the track, but uh, it starts at 8 Eastern. Let me see if we can find it. It's Carolina Speedway. Okay, so at Carolina Speedway, the Barefoot Reality Night on Friday. Also on Friday is the Ohio 300, uh, and uh, that's going to be another uh, big event at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that track is the uh, Kill Care Raceway, uh, so another uh, uh, racing event that's taking place on Friday. Uh, Saturday, there's several others, uh, a lot to list here, but uh, all of the information as it relates to the Slinger Nationals uh, and the prelude to the Nationals is listed here so that... Uh, if you want to get your tickets, those races are taking place on Tuesday, uh, Sunday, July 10th, and Tuesday, July 12th. So uh, you definitely, it is a pay-per-view event. So uh, they don't have a start time listed yet, but uh, if you're anywhere near those tracks, you want to get out there uh, to see those races. So I thought I was going to be able to go. I really wanted to go to the Slinger Nationals, but unfortunately I do have a scheduling conflict that's going to prevent me from going, so I'm really, really disappointed. Yeah, that's one of those that uh, unfortunately, just like the, uh, Road America and the Knoxville uh, truck race, my timing just didn't work out as well, uh, certainly on my list of races to attend. And, and you used a keyword. I just said race. But it's not just a race. It is an event um, when it comes to the yeah. Slinger Nationals, just as the Snowball Derby is. It certainly is. Um, <clears throat> okay, again, same thing is true if you look at Flow Racing. There are so many uh, races. It's really tough for us to list every one of them, uh, but know that NASCAR's weekly touring series races are uh, covered by Flow Racing, and you can watch those live uh, via live streaming there, and they give you all of those races that are taking place. Um, and the USAC Nationals at Husset Speedway is uh, listed on here. Um, they're, they're just so many different events. Like I say, it's, it's so hard to list them all. One of them, though, is going to be uh, the upcoming ARCA race uh, that's going to be out at Mid-Ohio. That's also going to be available, I believe, on Fox Sports 1. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a few more minutes. But so much racing going on this weekend. Well, you mentioned it. Uh, we got a lot going on around Nashville, but also there then on the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, as we have the Arkham Menard Series, as well as the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series there. And we'll tie something in with that when we get over to the Arkham Menards homepage. 
Yes, indeed. Now, uh, a lot of you know Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson does a lot of racing during the week. And there is an article up that Kyle Larson outdueled Sprint Car Racing's hottest driver in Silver Cup. He outdueled Brent Marks, the hottest sprint car driver in the country, to win Wednesday's Silver Cup over at Lernerville Speedway. So uh, Kyle Larson, another driver that's racing all over the country right now. Well, you talk about looking at uh, Racing America or Flow Racing of all the different races on that schedule. You pull up Kyle Larson's racing schedule, and that's a whole separate (laughs) uh, list of races in and of itself for sure. (laughs) That is so true. Uh, He he loves to be in the race car, and uh, let me tell you, he is uh, in a race car just about every, every night of the week. Um, now then, in action, the USAC Midgets take on a three-night adventure at his sets. Uh, Thomas Messerall has his eye on the ball again for this weekend's return to a special one-third mile dirt oval, and he seeks consecutive years of Houston success. So look for USACs to be on the track this weekend, too. Um, uh, again, it's uh, USAC USAC, U.S. Auto Club, um, racing. It's the Midgets, and they uh, are a lot of fun to watch if you want to check that out. They are indeed, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about this as we got another week coming up. Before we leave uh, Racing America page there, uh, Gary St. Amant and Scott Hansen are going to be honored at the Redbud 400 uh, coming up on July 16th as part of the official American Speed Association reunion. Uh, I know we touched on that a few weeks ago, I think, when they first announced it. Uh, That's one that's very dear to my heart. Uh, I always wanted to see Gary St. Amant move up. I think he went maybe as far as Xfinity Series. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's, that's good to know. And thanks for bringing that up. I really appreciate it. Um. But uh, there's there's always uh, great articles. There's a nice throwback article over there at Racing America as well. But Flow Racing has some uh, really nice articles as well about a lot of the upcoming events that are taking place, some of the more recent events and the winners at those events. Um, uh, so there is racing going on all over the country. NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour also uh, uh, big at Flow Racing. Eldora adds a unique Wednesday event to their World 100 weekend. So uh, for dirt late model uh, drivers and uh, fans, you'll want to check that out. Uh, so much going on. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, uh, if, if, if you don't have a job, you can spend all day on either one of those sites looking at some of the information and watching these races. I know, like I said, my dad wears his out uh, when it comes to the use of the flow racing, for sure. Okay. Uh, Now we're going to move on to the um, Arkham Menard series. I know that they are racing out at Mid-Ohio this weekend, and uh, we do have some news and notes here. Uh, for that Arkham Menard series as well. It's the Dawn 150 at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course 
uh, and that race is at 5 p.m. on Friday, July the 8th. And, again, it will be televised on Fox Sports 1, and radio coverage will be on MRN radio uh, networks throughout the country. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about what's going on at the Dawn 150 at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. All right, let me scroll up to here. I know we got those notes uh, on my phone. Okay, the Dawn 150, as you said, the ninth race of the 2022 Arkham Menard Series uh, season, and it's the first of its two road courses. The first driver we're going to look at is Sammy Smith, as he's looking for his third consecutive Arkham Menard Series victory with his first series uh, career series win coming at Berlin Raceway three weeks ago, followed by his second career victory in the next race, which was at Elko Speedway there in Minnesota two weeks ago. Now, Smith is not eligible to compete in the early season super speedway races, so he's not in contention for the overall series championship, but we highlighted he does have a commanding 17-point lead over Jesse Love in the Sioux Chief showdown standings entering this Don 150. That's true, and I think we pointed out on Monday, too, uh, Tuesday, I mean, that this will be the fifth race of the 10-race Sioux Chief Showdown uh, series that is competing within the Arkham and Art series. Uh, and Jesse Love is no stranger to road course racing. The two-time defending Arkham and Art Series West champion earned his first career West Series win in the twisty Utah Motorsports Campus road course in 2020. Now, Love's victory at Utah Motorsports Campus was in the opening round of a same-day doubleheader. The nightcap was actually won by Blaine Perkins, who is also entered in the Dawn 150 in a Bill McAnally Racing Chevrolet. So uh, it's going to be good to see Blaine Perkins on the track this weekend. Well, and I mentioned that's also where the truck series is running. So the Arkham Menard Series entry list there at Mid-Ohio is going to be bolstered by several NASCAR Camping World Truck Series drivers attempting the double duty over the weekend. Uh, I mentioned Perkins, Jack Wood, Chris Wright, John Hunter Nemechek, and Colby Howard have all filed entries for the Don 150 to get some extra laps and experience as they have their first NASCAR Camping World Truck Series start at Mid-Ohio. Uh, then you also have Arkham Menard Series regular Taylor Gray. He's filed an entry for the Camping World Truck Series portion of the weekend as well. Also, Arkham Menard Series championship leader Raja Caruth is attempting to st- extend his lead in the standings over current runner-up and his rev racing teammate Nick Sanchez. Now, Caruth has yet to visit Victory Lane, but he does have four top five finishes so far this season while Sanchez has the two wins. Now, he won at Talladega Super Speedway and, again, at Kansas Speedway, but those victories represent his only top five finishes so far this season. Another driver you want to look at is Daniel Dye. He enters the Don 150 in search of his first victory in 2022 in just his second career road course race. And he made his road course uh, debut earlier this season in the Arkham Nard Series West race at Portland International Raceway, claiming the General Tire Pole Award in qualifying. The race started in a driving rainstorm. Dye slid off the track in the race's very first turn, 
but he didn't make contact with anything and recovered to finish fourth. And I don't know if we'll get to it in hot topics, but there's some uh, in- new information out about Daniel Dye and his uh, other situation. Okay. Uh, yeah, I hadn't heard that, so I'll be interested to hear what that's about. Also, Honey- Hollywood stuntman Stanton Barrett is returning to the Arkham and Art series, uh, series. He's driving one of 1995 series champion Andy Hillenberg's entries. Barrett finished sixth in last year's Dawn 150, his first series appearance in 20 years. So uh, that's pretty cool to hear, too. I knew I knew that name. I, I couldn't remember the last time we saw him race, but another one returning is a six-time Arkham Menard Series East winner, and that's Dale Quarterly. He's going to make his second start of 2022. He finished 12th in the season opener at Daytona International Speedway. Now, Quarterly has also uh, ran the two Arkham Menard Series West road courses with a best finish of third coming at Sonoma. Okay, just a reminder, the Dawn 150 is set for 5 p.m. Eastern Time this Friday. That's tomorrow night, July the 8th, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. The race will also be broadcast on select affiliates of the MRN Radio Network nationwide. So uh, really cool uh, with the Arkham Menard Series here racing at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Uh, I do want to look at the um, entry list, if we can check that out. Um, let me just mention before we uh, do that, uh, it, it, this track is a 13-turn, 2.25-mile road course. Uh, they are racing 50 laps. And Friday there will be a practice and qualifying session from 2 to 3 p.m., and the start of the Dawn 150 again is at 5 p.m., Eastern Time. Um, complete entry list. Okay, let's take a look at that. Uh, there's several drivers on here, and you'll see, uh, you'll recognize a lot of these names because several drivers are doing double duty uh, this week. Let's go from the bottom uh, up here, and I'll go first. Rita Thomason uh, is driving the 03 Club Racing Ford. She hails from McCalla, Alabama, and Brian Club will be on top of the pit box. In the 01 is D.L. Wilson from Mark, Texas. He's driving the Universal Technical Institute Ford for Andy Hillenberg. Uh, and Tim Monroe will be on top of the pit box. Well, I mentioned the double-duty drivers there. We find Blaine Perkins in the Bill McAnally number 99 Chevrolet. Perkins coming out of Bakersfield, California. Going to have Doug George with him on the pit box. And then Alex McAnally listed listed as the owner of the number 91 Toyota. That'll be driven by Colby Howard coming out of Simpsonville, South Carolina, with John Camarilli as the crew chief. Okay, driving the number 55 for Venturini Motorsports from Mooresville, North Carolina, is John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, he'll be driving the Mobile One Toyota with Dave Liner as his crew chief. In the number 48 is the very familiar driver, Brad Smith, from Shelby Township, Michigan. He'll be uh, driving the Coprea. Chevrolet with Jeff Smith on top of the pit box. 
There we got. Next up, we got the number 43 GMS Mari Gallagher machine. Is Daniel Dye out of Deland, Florida, with Chad Bryant as his crew chief, as usual. And then Chris Wright is in the number 42 Bruce, Bruce Cook Chevrolet with Big Dog Energy. He comes out of Wexford, Pennsylvania, and brings Derek Pebbles along to help him uh, learn the race. Recall the Pebbles, race. yes. Okay, Greg Van Oltz will be behind the wheel of the number 35 Top Choice Fence CB Fabricating Ford. Uh, he hails from Anderson, Indiana, my neck of the woods. And uh, Jim Long will be on top of uh, the pit box uh, for that number 35 Ford. Alex Quarterly will be on top of the pit box for the number 32 Van Dyke Recycling Solutions Motu Chevrolet, driven by Dale Quarterly out of Westfield, Maryland. Is that Massachusetts or Maryland? I'm never quite sure with those two. I believe that's Massachusetts. Okay. Moving up to the number Amber. 34. To, oh, I'm sorry. Is that your other one? Okay. Uh, the no, number 30, I, I was just going to say Amber up next. <laughs> and she is, and she's in the number 30. Mark Rett owned and crew chief Ford with uh, Icon as a sponsor. Comes out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. And then out of Columbus, Michigan is Con Nicolopoulos in the number 27 Toyota. Shows it owned by David Richmond. Daryl Phillips will be making the calls atop the box there. Okay, and another Venturini uh, Toyota for this weekend is Tony Breidinger out of Hillsboro, California. She'll be driving the number 25 FP Movement Toyota. And Kevin Reed Jr. will be on top of the pit box. Another driver out of California, Loomis, California, is Jack Wood behind the wheel of the number 21 McAnally Crooks Collision Toyota. Tom Ackerman will be on top of the pit box for Jack Wood. Another California driver comes from Redwood, California, and that's Jesse Love. He's in the number 20 Venturini Motorsports with JBL sponsorship and Shannon Roosh in his ear and Sammy Smith. We talked about the streak he's on trying to continue coming out of Johnston, Iowa. He'll be in the Kyle Busch Motorsports number 18 Toyota with Mark McFarland calling the shots. Taylor Gray will be driving the number 17 Ford Performance Ford for David Gilliland Racing. He hails from Denver, North Carolina, and Chad Johnston will be on top of his pit box. And then Kevin Reed, the senior, will be on top of the pit box for the number 15 Venturini Toyota uh, for Parker Chase from New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, Vertical Bridge is his sponsor this weekend. The number 12, that'll be a Hillenburg Toyota Double H Ranch sponsored. Um, Tony Cosentino is the driver, comes out of Mansfield, Ohio. Mike Schroof, we know, is the crew chief. And then the number 11, Stanton Barrett, Family Wines, SBRW, or SBRWines.com. There's another Hillenburg Toyota, that's the number 11. Barrett comes out of Bishop, California. And he will have Stephen Barton as his crew chief. Okay. Arnott Cook 
will be behind the wheel of the number 10. He hails from Restville, South Africa. He'll be driving the brand South Africa American Blast Systems Toyota for Andy Hillenberg, and Dick Doheny will be on top of his pit box. Uh, now, on top of the pit box of the number seven Caudel Ford uh, will be Darren Mix, and behind the wheel of that Bayside Chiropractic Ford is Dr. Ed Bull from Cape Charles, Virginia. And we have your champion uh, points leader in the Arkham Menard series, Raja Karuth in the Max Siegel Rev Racing number six. Comes out of Washington, D.C. Veteran crew chief Brad Parrott with him. And the number three, that is another uh, Alex Club. I guess Alex Club is crew chiefing this one. Shows Willie Mullins as the owner. It's the number three Ford sponsored by Bleachy Blooms Lane Denton Band. Driver's going to be Casey Carden out of Brazelton, Georgia. And driving the number two for Max Siegel's Rev Racing Chevrolet uh, and hailing from Miami, Florida, is Nick Sanchez. Uh, Matt Butch- Boucher will be on top of his pit box. So uh, quite a few people entered in this race. It's going to be very competitive. Uh, we'll see if Sammy Smith can make it another win here in the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, do you have a favorite driver you want to pick here? Uh, I have several. No. Um, I really, right now, I'm kind of throwing my support behind Daniel Dye, but we know what kind of competition the Rev Racing machines are. Nick Sanchez and uh, Raja Karuth. Uh, if I were picking for money, I'd have to go with Nick Sanchez, getting the advantage over teammate in the rest of the field as well. Okay, so uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow night uh, for the Dawn 150 out there at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. All right, we're going to move on now to our next segment, and we do have some pre-race audio here from Zane Smith. He's a series points leader for the NASCAR Truck Series, and um, uh, he is uh, racing this weekend. Let me see. I've got some information here. I want to make sure I uh, tell everybody. Zane Smith, they will be the driver of the number 38 Boop Barn F-150 for Front Row Motorsports. He goes into the weekend's inaugural Camping World Truck Series race at Mid-Ohio with a 21-point lead in the standings. Uh, He was a guest uh, this week for the Ford Performance uh, Media Zoom call uh, with motorsports reporters, and he talked about his goals with two races left in the regular season. Now, some of the questions that he was asked here, uh, in case some of these questions are hard to hear on the recordings, So uh, I'm going to review some of the questions so that you know what he's being asked. Uh, The first question was, how do you feel about your position, and is it a time to be more aggressive and go after those playoff bonus points? The next next question was, how do you prepare for Mid-Ohio this weekend, and do you feel winning the regular season championship makes much of a difference in getting to Phoenix for the championship race? Is there a track that helps prepare for Phoenix, or are you taking it race by race? And uh, just a review of what he did at Coda and Sonoma. He was first at Coda, 
second at Sonoma. So is this weekend one you're looking forward to? I guess I might know the answer to that one. And then the last question that I have here, um, well, maybe two more questions. It's a long way until the end of the playoffs in November. How do you deal with such a long playoff season, and what are your expectations for mid-Ohio? Um, and uh, I don't know if we'll get that far, but in case we do, I wanted to make sure you knew what the questions are. So uh, let's go ahead and hear uh, from Zane Smith, driver in the number 38, Front Row Motorsports. All right, joining us today on our Ford Zoom call is Zane Smith, driver of the number 38 Boot Barn F-150 in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series for Front Row Motorsports. Zane goes into this weekend's inaugural race at Mid-Ohio as the points leader. If you've got questions for Zane, and I see him popping up here, uh, raise your hand. And uh, we'll get started right off the bat here, Zane. Appreciate you joining us. Let's start with Rob. Rob, go ahead. Thanks, Dan, and thanks for joining us today, Zane. Yeah, absolutely. No, no worries. So I've got a couple questions to start things off. Now, obviously, the right rush to the playoffs is really coming soon. You know, I think it's a couple more races before the playoffs kick into gear. So, first of all, how do you feel about the, the shape of your number 38 team? You've got those three wins, but, of course, you've also been parlaying consistency. So is it a time for you guys to get a little aggressive out there, trying to go for those maximum playoff points and race wins? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think our main focus right now is, is this regular season championship just with how valuable uh, it is to win it, um, especially in a, a case like ourselves where we've already had a strong start to the year with three wins. Um, if you, if I don't get any more wins in between now and, well, two races left and I do win the regular season championship, it's, uh, it's equivalent to three more wins. And so, uh, and those, those points carry you a long way. And so, uh, we've had uh, a really strong start to the season, and I feel like it says a lot about our team, really, even after our uh, Las Vegas incident with the, with the lug nut. Um, and I feel like if it wasn't for that, I'd have a, a huge buffer in it. And so to bounce back from that, I feel like it says a lot about our team, and uh, we're ready to attack these next two races. For sure. And now talking about Mid-Ohio this race week, uh, for this coming weekend, I don't think you've ever raced that particular circuit, and it looks really like a short track but road course combination altogether. So, I mean, how have you prepared for that particular race? Have you done some iRacing or simulation stuff to be prepared for this weekend? Yeah, I, uh, I feel like I've, I've put in a lot of hours on on the Ford Sim, and, um, and I feel like my engineer and I have, have worked closely in, into getting our truck better. And I'm, I don't know, obviously a simulator is one thing and uh, the real deal is a whole other, but you typically get a, a general read for it. And, and as of right now, I'm, I'm really happy with, with how everything has been going. And uh, I'm excited against Mid-Ohio. I've never been there, never seen the place. And I've, I've heard mixed opinions on it, but um, I, I, have enjoyed it so far, so uh, I feel like it should be fun, and uh, I'm just obviously hoping for a, another good point today and to uh, to leave there hopefully with the trophy and um, an even bigger points point cushion. Well, sounds great, my man. Best of luck this weekend, and I uh, hope to catch you soon. Thanks. 
All right, thanks, Rob. Let's go to Cameron Richardson. Hey, Cameron, go ahead with the question for Zane. Hey, Zane. So, Ben Rose, a couple weeks ago, said that the regular season title is the most important thing to him right now, even though he won the championship last year. So, just in preparation for potentially making your third straight appearance in the championship four, is that the most important thing to you, or do you think it makes much of a difference at all throughout the, going into the playoffs? Yeah, it makes a huge difference. I mean, I've been in a way, way worse situation than I am now. Um, one second. Obviously, uh, m- many of the questions were directed towards that regular season championship. 
you understand how important it is and the benefit it gives you. As you mentioned, 15 points is the equivalent to three race wins as far as bonus points. Um, but I think the key thing he hit on there is with that, that gives you a little bit of a cushion and uh, insurance, if you will. But you got to win at Phoenix, most likely, as we've seen in the past, um, it, at least be right there at the end. So that helps to get you there. But as he said, right now, anticipating getting there, they're putting the fine-tuning and, and focusing on the speed they have in the truck because that's ultimately what's going to win you the championship. You know, he's had to come through, as you mentioned, get a, a win in the last-ditch effort, if you will, to get into the Final Four. So there's a balance, but it certainly can or should be a focus as it does give you that benefit of the 15 playoff points. You can have a hiccup. Uh, we've seen several, unfortunately, and William Byron and I think John Hunter Nemechek both have had that where um, a problem at the wrong time could cost you a really great season from being at, going after the championship. Yeah, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, this is uh, these next two races are really important. No matter where you are, he's got a comfortable 21-point lead right now. Uh, but uh, he needs to set himself up uh, for that uh, playoff run and uh, how that's going to affect him. Because it is a long run when you consider there are two races left. And let me look this up. I'm going to uh, pull up NASCAR.com. Um, there are two races left for the truck series schedule right now. Uh, and so they're going to finish up their regular season. Uh, let me see here. Uh, they have uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, that, wait a second. That's the wrong series. Let me get the truck series up here. Okay. Uh, okay, there you have Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course this weekend. July 23rd is the Pocono Raceway. Uh, that's the final event of the regular season for the Truck Series. Now, the playoffs start on July 29th, a week later, at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, but they don't finish the season until November 4th. So that's a long time. That's that's, uh, you know, they're starting at Lucas Oil at the end of July, and their season doesn't end until November. So um, that's a long time to keep your focus on winning that championship. Well, and we've talked to different drivers about this. It all depends on how your momentum's going. If you're the driver that's knocking down top fives, picking up victories, you obviously want that season to continue back-to-back weeks and carry that momentum. Teams that maybe are missing something or know they're getting into that desperate situation uh, of being eliminated, that week off or, you know, breaks actually helps them. So it depends on where you're at with your team and, and in the in the points, um, for sure, I think. Absolutely. So um, these guys uh, have a lot to look forward to. We're going to get into – uh, the NASCAR Truck Series up here next, uh, because uh, and preview that race at Mid Ohio because this is another road course. As we mentioned earlier, Zane Smith uh, has done pretty well uh, on some of these uh, road courses. 
So it's going to be interesting to see if he can come up with another victory here that kind of set him up uh, going into these last two races uh, of the season. Uh, The O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 at Mid-Ohio will take place Saturday, July the 9th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse is $671,050. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 starting at 1 p.m. Eastern and then MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 151.28 miles over 67 laps. The first stage ends on lap 15, the second stage on lap 35 for 20 laps, and the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 67 for 32 laps. So uh, it's going to be an interesting race out at Mid-Ohio this weekend for the Truck Series. It's certainly going to be, and we got a battle for the Sunoco Rookie of the Year uh, contention going on as well. Right now, you got uh, Lawless Allen, sorry, uh, leading the points at 204 points. Uh, Corey Heim is next behind him at minus eight. Dean Thompson is at 10 back. Jack Wood at minus 20. And then Blaine Perkins at minus 83. Now, Allen is driver of the number 45 at Nice, Most, nice Motorsport Chevrolet was able to hold on to the rookie points lead by eight points over Kyle Busch Motorsports' Corey Heim after the 24th place finish at Nashville Speedway. With no experience at Mid-Ohio prior to this Saturday's event, a good run certainly turned heads as he hopes to cement his name on that Rookie of the Year award at season's end. On the previous road courses this season, he has finished 11th at Austin uh, for the CODA Circuit of Americas, and then 25th at Sonoma. Now, sitting in Allen's rearview mirror, though, is Corey Heim of Kyle Busch Motorsports, mentioned eight points behind in second for the 2022 Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings. His second-place standing in his rookie leaderboard is a true testament to how well he has run. Oh, I lost my page. Uh, how well he has run on just a part-time schedule in that number 51 KBM Toyota this season. Still the only rookie to win a race this year and joined Zane Smith as the only other multiple-time winner in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series for 2022. Now, as a wreck at the end of the Nashville race uh, that relegated him to a 33rd-place finish, but Himes has his set on leaving Mid-Ohio with that rookie points lead and a good finish this weekend. But he'll have his work cut out for him as it will be his series track debut and first event on a road course this year. Now, just two points behind uh, Neem, or, uh, behind Heim is Nice Motorsports' Dean Thompson as he comes from Anaheim, California. The 21-year-old driver of the number 40 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet was the best-placing rookie in the field at Nashville, ending the night at 14th. The solid finish was the main benefactor in his jump from fourth to in the rookie standings to third, heading into this weekend at Mid-Ohio. On road courses this season, he has finished 29th at Circuit of Americas and 24th at Sonoma. So Thompson will look to continue moving up the rookie leaderboard with another solid run at Mid-Ohio this weekend. 
someone who did not have the same uh, sort of fortune as Thompson was GMS Racing's Jack Wood. The number 24 Chevrolet team did not have the race they hoped for at Nashville as they completed just six laps before crashing in turn four and ending their night early. Woods moved from second in the standings all the way down to fourth. However, still only 10 points back from Thompson in third and 20 behind Allen in first. This goes to show how tight this battle, Sunoco Rookie of the Year uh, battle is at this point in the season. We have just two races left before the playoffs. Wood would need to lock in at Mid-Ohio and Pocono to give himself a shot at the rookie title. And Blaine Perkins of CR7 Motorsports, he stands fifth on the rookie leaderboard. He had a decent margin between him and Wood. Perkins scored his first top 20 finish of the year at Nashville, where he finished 18th in the race and second among the rookies. Sharon, you're going to take the next point here? Yes, I've got it. I was on mute. Uh, The road course ringers are heading to mid-Ohio this weekend as well as the NASCAR Truck Series prepares to run at mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. A handful of drivers are looking to capitalize on their road course prowess and expertise. Now, most recently, the points leader, and we've talked about this, Zane Smith has outclassed the field each time uh, the trucks have visited a road course this season. The driver of that number 38 front row motorsports uh, Ford F-150 stole a win at Circuit of the Americas earlier this year and then followed that up with a runner-up finish at Sonoma Raceway. Now, these results have earned him a 1.5 average finish at road courses this season. That's the best in the Camping World Truck Series. Smith will look to continue his streak of good races and cement his place on top of the driver's standings as the regular season nears its close. But another driver to keep an eye on at Mid-Ohio is Parker Kligerman of Henderson Motorsports. The part-time driver of the number 75 Toyota has shown speed in his last few road course starts. He's earned top 10 finishes at the Daytona Road Course in 2020 and Sonoma Raceway in 2022, along with a top five at Watkins Glen in 2021. Kligerman is also coming fresh off a start in the Mazda MX-5 Cup Series race at Road America, priming his um, road course skills for this upcoming weekend. Now, the veteran driver would want nothing more than to see his recent efforts pay off with big dividends this weekend with a good run at Mid-Ohio. Now, jumping also back into the driver's seat after holding holding ownership duties for the past two years is Trackhouse Racing's owner, Justin Marks. Looking forward to this one. He's going to be piloting the number 41 Chevy Silverado this weekend for Nice Motorsports. Mark carries a major leg up on the competition this weekend as his last and only win in any of NASCAR's three national series came in 2016 when he won at Mid-Ohio for Chip Ganassi Racing in the Xfinity Series. Now, the victory was met with a top-10 outing the following year and top-fives at Road America in 2017 and the Charlotte Roval in 2018. Marks has also uh, has a massive success in sports cars. He's tallied eight wins across his career in IMSA, two of which also came at Mid-Ohio. 
So he's going to aim to add on uh, two of his impressive road course resume. Uh, he's looking to add two, add on two, uh, his impressive road course resume this Saturday. But uh, there's also Rayon Brother Racing's. Uh, they tapped Kenko Miura to drive the number 33 Chevrolet Silverado this weekend. And Miura is a Japanese-born driver who has made starts in the NASCAR Wheeland Euro Series and the Asian Formula 3 Series. This will be Miura's first start in the Camping World Truck Series and his first start at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Certainly going to be, but another thing we just talked about is that to watch is that regular season title. As Zane Smith takes a points lead with two to go for Front Row Motorsports, Smith continues to have a standout year as he claimed that points lead in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, just two races left to go in that regular season. California native, currently now 21 points up on John Hunter Nemechek, who is second in the series standings. Smith's ascension to the standings lead comes after a strong second-place finish at Nashville, where he narrowly edged out Carson Hosevar in the closing laps. Smith is in his first year driving for the number 38 Front Row Motorsports Ford and has accumulated three wins, eight top fives, and 12 top tens. Now, having a week off before competing in the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 at Mid-Ohio, uh, Smith said anything can happen with two races left in the regular season. And we heard his comments on that. Uh, but mathematically, Smith could clinch the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season at Mid-Ohio, but he would need some help. He currently has the season-best average on road courses with a win at the Circuit of Americas and a runner-up effort at Sonoma Raceway. And when we look at clinch scenarios, uh, time's running out for those not locked in. Mentioned two races, so the Camping World Truck Series playoffs has turned into a pressure cooker with five spots left for the playoffs in just these last two races and drivers needing to win their way into the postseason. With those five spots and two races remaining, that means there's at least three spots this season that'll be taken by drivers who transfer on points. First, we're going to look at uh, already clinched. You have uh, five drivers that have clinched their spot in the top ten postseason, starting with Zane Smith, John Hunter Nemechek, Ben Rhodes, Chandler Smith, as well as Stuart Friesen. Now, there's ones that can uh, clinch uh, via points. If there is a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the playoffs, uh, a driver could clinch by being 56 points above the fifth winless driver in the standings. And that same points requirement listed uh, would be true if the new winner com- new win comes from either Ty Majeski, Christian Eckes, Carson Hosevar, or Grant Infinger. So Ty Majeski would uh, clinch with 13 more points, Christian Eckes with 43 points, whereas Hosevar and Enfinger can only do it with some help. Now, if there's a new winner from Matt Crafton or another winless driver lower in the standings but still eligible to advance in the playoffs, then the driver would need to be 56 points above the fourth winless driver in the standings. And that would put Majeski needing 23 points, Eckes 53, and 
Carson Hosevar needing the additional help. Drivers that can clinch a playoff spot with a win, uh, again, advance a loan on the win, Ty Majeski, Eckes, Hosevar, Enfinger, add Matt Crafton, Derek Krause, Tyler Ankrum, Matt DiBenedetto, uh, and Tanner Gray. <clears throat> now, Timmy Hill, Colby Howard, and Lawless Allen, being you got to be in the top 20 in points, even a win, they still have to have help uh, – as far as clinching, based on where they are in the point standings. Okay. Now, this race is also the last chance for the Triple Truck Challenge this season. Uh, The Camping World Truck Series race at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course will mark the last race of the Triple Truck Challenge for this season and the last chance for competitors to bank that additional $50,000 as a bonus. Now, beginning in 19, uh, the challenge stands as an added incentive to the winners of three selected races, including Gateway, Nashville, and Mid-Ohio. The winner of each uh, individual race is awarded $50,000 for that event. If a driver wins two out of the three races, they get a total of a $150,000 bonus. And if the driver manages to win all three of the selected races, they get a rack up of $500,000 bonus. Now, the past two winners in the previous Triple Truck Challenge events were Corey Heim at Gateway and Ryan Priest at Nashville. With Priest not set to run this weekend, all eyes are going to be on the part-time rookie from Marietta, Georgia, as he hopes to wheel the number 51 Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota Tundra to Victory Lane for that $150,000 bonus. They're talking about Corey Heim. It will not be easy, however, as the rest of the field is going to be vying for their chance at winning $50,000 to take home after the race. Now, this season through... Though a part-time, though he's on a part-time schedule, Corey Heim has been impressive when in that Kyle Busch Motorsports machine. In seven starts this season, he's collected two wins at Atlanta and Gateway, two top fives and three top tens. So it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do this weekend. Some final notes here uh, on the Truck Series in Mid Ohio. It's been since 2013 the track has hosted eight NASCAR Xfinity Series events. This season, however, is a Camping World Truck Series uh, be racing their place at the racing in their place at the venue, and it'll be a site of a petulant race for the regular season. It'll also act as the last road course race of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series 2022 schedule. Yeah, the that's track, okay, Jay. We. we we're going to go ahead and move on to the Xfinity okay. Series because we've pretty much run out of time here. Um, so I'm going to – next up in this next half hour, we are going to review uh, both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series, uh, and they are racing not at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. They are going to be racing out at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which is now considered kind of a super speedway, so it's going to be fun. Uh, the Alsco Uniforms 200 for the Xfinity—I'm sorry—the Alsco Uniforms 250 for the Xfinity Series will take place this Saturday, July the 9th, at 5 p.m. Eastern. The purse, one million three hundred and seventy-six thousand three hundred and twenty-seven dollars. Uh, now it will be televised. Make sure you mark this down. A lot of 
people are having trouble adjusting to the USA network for uh, some of these NASCAR races, uh, they will start their coverage starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and radio coverage is on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 251.02 miles or 163 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 40. Stage 2, also 40 laps, ends on lap 80. And then the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 163, for 83 laps. So what do we have here for the Xfinity Series, Jay? Well, to start, we got a duo doing double duty. Two drivers will be pulling double duty this weekend, competing in both the NASCAR Xfinity Series race on Saturday and the NASCAR Cup Series race on Sunday. And that'll be Tyler Reddick and Noah Gregson. Uh, the most recent NASCAR Cup Series winner, Tyler Reddick, he'll be taking his talents to the number 48 Big Machine Racing Chevrolet this weekend in the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Atlanta Motor Speedway, in addition to his full-time duties on Sunday with the Richard Childress Racing's number 18. Reddick has made two Xfinity Series starts at Atlanta, posting one top five finish. Um, Noah Gregson, on the other hand, he'll be taking his turn in the Colleg Racing number 16 Chevrolet this weekend in Atlanta Motor Speedway in Sunday's Cup Series race. He'll also be piloting the number nine Junior Motorsport Chevrolet in the NASCAR Xfinity Series race, his regular seat. NASCAR, or, uh, sorry, Gregson has five Xfinity career starts at Atlanta, posting three top fives and four top tens. Gregson, another driver we'll be talking about during our Hot Topic segment here tonight as well. Okay, home track racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway. There's always a sense of home field advantage when racing in your hometown in front of fans and family. And a few drivers will have that privilege this weekend, including brothers Ryan and Kyle Sieg, Brandon Jones, and Austin Hill. If any of the three Georgia native drivers win this weekend, uh, that sounds like four drivers to me. But if any of those drivers win this weekend, they would become the first drivers from the state of Georgia to win an Xfinity Series race at Atlanta. Now, the Seek brothers are from Tucker, Georgia, and they're both running with their family-owned team, RSS Racing. Ryan Seek is yet to post an Xfinity Series win, but he came really close earlier this season when he was leading the field in the final laps of the race before Gibbs took the lead on the last lap, leaving him with a 10th place finish. Although he hasn't always had the best of luck at Atlanta, he has posted two top 10s in his 10 starts there. He has been having a good 2022 season, posting one top five and nine top tens so far, and right now he sits 82 points above the playoff cut line in 11th place. Still fairly new to the Xfinity Series is his 21-year-old little brother, Kyle Sieg, and he's making his second start at Atlanta after a 24th place finish there in March. Now, Atlanta, Georgia's very own Brandon Jones has already secured his spot in the playoffs with his win at Martinsville, along with three top fives and seven top tens this season. He's heading back home to Atlanta after a big top ten finish, seventh there earlier this season. In Jones' eight starts at his home track, he's posted one top five, 
three top tens, and he's completed 1,235 of 13,014 laps, representing 94%. Now, Winston, Georgia's native, Austin Hill, will be back at Atlanta Motor Speedway for the second time in his career, hoping to find victory lane after a second-place finish earlier this season. Hill has been a sandout rookie this season, winning the season opener at Daytona back in February. So we'll see if uh, one of the Atlanta drivers can bring home that victory this weekend. Well, we got a few more races before our regular season ends here, so the focus is on the playoff bubble and who will snag those final spots. With another Ty Gibbs win following Road America, not much changed in the playoff standings, and there are still five spots up for grabs as the NASCAR Xfinity Series heads to Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, seven drivers have earned spots into the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs on wins, and that's Ty Gibbs, A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Allgaier, Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, Brandon Jones, as well as Austin Hill. Now that leaves Sam Merritt at plus 169, Riley Herbst at 136 up, Daniel Hemrick, 99 to the good, Ryan Sieg mentioned uh, 82, and Landon Castle, plus 72, currently sitting above the postseason cut line and take up the remaining playoff spots on points. I'm just outside the playoff cut line since Anthony Alfredo in 13th position, but he's buried in a massive 72-point deficit behind Castle in that 12th and final transfer spot on points. So of the drivers uh, in the playoff outlook on the cut line without wins yet, we have uh, some stats from Atlanta Motor Speedway over the years. Sam Mayer uh, has, is sitting in eighth, has two starts with one top ten. Riley Herbst in ninth has four starts with one top five and two top tens. Dan- Daniel Hemrick in tenth has a total of six starts with one top five and three top tens. Ryan Sieg in 11th has a total of 10 starts, picking up a pair of top 10s. And then Landon Castle, right now in 12th, with six starts, has one top five and one top 10. So those are going to be the ones to kind of focus on on that playoff bubble this weekend, assuming we don't get a win from the outside. Okay. There are three other drivers that you need to watch this weekend. One of them we've already talked about. Uh, but these are serious drivers uh, giving them a second chance at wrestling uh, that newly configured 1.5-mile track. Richard Childress Racing's rookie, Austin Hill, is looking to snag his second checkered flag of the season after landing himself in victory lane in his first Xfinity Series race as a full-time driver in that season opener at Daytona. In his 16 starts this season, he's posted one win, seven top fives, nine top tens, and although he's hit a few bumps this season, he's been very consistent in the last few weeks. He's got three top fives and five top tens in the past six weeks. With a runner-up finish in March at the Atlanta race, he'll surely be looking to get the job done this weekend at Atlanta. Now, College Racing's uh, veteran, A.J. Allmendinger, has been stellar all season long. Already with two wins, he has seven top fives and 14 top tens under his belt. 
So it's no surprise for his name to come up as a possible favorite for this weekend. Earlier this season, Almendinger posted a top-five finish at Atlanta, and in 2020, he proved he knows his way around the 1.54-mile track by racing his way into victory lane after starting from the 30th starting position. Also, Justin Algauer fell victim to an incident at Atlanta Motor Speedway earlier this season, but there's no doubt he'll be coming into this weekend looking for redemption. Algauer uh, joins Gibbs and Almendinger as one of three Atlanta race winners entered this weekend. Uh, in his Xfinity Series starts uh, at 13 at this track, he's posted one win in 2021. He also has three top fives, eight top tens, and he's done very well this season already, having two wins at Darlington and Nashville. He also has seven top fives and ten top tens. Both of his wins this season have been on track similar in length to Atlanta, and he's posted top ten finishes in the other 1.5-mile tracks on the schedule that include Las Vegas, Texas, and Charlotte as well. So uh, more drivers to keep your eye on this weekend. My page shifted, so i got to sc- whoops, scroll back up here to the top as we wrap up the uh, Xfinity series. There we go. Now, this will be the 33rd NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. The previous 32 races has produced 17 different pole winners and 20 different race winners, with Kevin Harvick leading the way with five wins under his belt. Harvick also holds the record for poles with six, top fives at 11, top tens at 13, 13 lead lap finishes, total of 3,135 laps completed, and then 973 of those as laps led. Now, earlier this season, fans saw 19-year-old Joe Gibbs racing phenom Ty Gibbs take the checkered flag in his first stint at the 1.54-mile track in Atlanta. His victory made him the youngest winner at Atlanta Motor Speedway at 19 years, 5 months, and 15 days old. Now, coming off his win at Ant Road America, which was the eighth of his Xfinity Series career, Gibbs has now put up the third most win in a third most wins in a driver's first 34 NASCAR Xfinity Series starts all time, and that's behind NASCAR Hall of Famer Daryl Waltrip with 11 wins and Harry Gant with nine wins. Now, Gibbs will look to continue that momentum and attempt to become the fifth different driver to win back-to-back Xfinity races at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And that had put him on another uh, high-name list. Mark Martin did it in 97 and 98. Jeff Burton in 2006 and 7. Kevin Harvick in 13, 14, and 15. And Kyle Busch in 2016 and 2017 as far as consecutive winners list. The on-track action for the Xfinity Series will kick off uh, with qualifying. That'll be at 10.05 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, July 9th, and it will be streamed on the NBC Sports app. Okay, so uh, a big day for the Xfinity Series, and I believe they have eight races left in their schedule. Um, if 
I remember that correctly. All right, next up is the NASCAR Cup Series. They're racing the Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart at Atlanta on Sunday, July the 10th, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse for this race, a cool $7,034,869, and it will be televised on USA at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Radio coverage, again, is on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 400.4 miles over 260 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 60, stage 2 on lap 160 for 100 laps, and the final stage on the, ends on the last lap, lap 260 for another 100 laps. So when uh, we're heading into our Cup Series preview here, what do we have, Jay? Well, we get to take a look at, at some uh, NASCAR Cup Series featured matchups for the 2022 Quaker State 400 <laughs> presented by Walmart coming in Atlanta Motor Speedway. These are some uh, close look at the featured matchups that fans can bet on heading into this weekend's event. And I'm going to scroll down and do the first one. And that will be Michael McDowell versus Bubba Wallace. <clears throat> now, two drivers that scored their first career NASCAR Cup Series victories by winning races on super speedways, and that's Michael McDowell and Bubba Wallace. Although neither in the top 20 in the current standings as we sit, both drivers have established themselves as solid super speedway giants. Both of these drivers have performed above expectations this year, so expect both to be contending for the win when the white flag is waved on Sunday and who comes out with the checkered. Okay, the next matchup is Ryan Blaney versus Martin Truex Jr., and I think both of those are good picks for this weekend. Although Ryan Blaney sits second in the 2022 Cup Series standings, he still sits there without a win this season. The same could be said for Martin Truex Jr., who's seventh in the point standings. With 13 race winners this season and eight races left uh the need for both of these prolific drivers to lock themselves into the playoffs with a win is paramount although one would think that blaney has a significant edge on super speedways over truex their driver ratings at super speedways are only three points apart now blaney posted an average uh, of 98 uh, while truex sits at 95 meaning that either one of these drivers has a great chance to push their great season into the round of 16. So we'll see if they can make that happen. Well, you said they're both good picks. Uh, Blaney was the first pick by Brian, and Martin Truex hasn't been picked yet because Sharon hasn't been able to pick yet. So we'll see if she's (laughs) able to get him down the line. Okay. This one. This one's interesting. Brad Keselowski versus Kevin Harvick. Now, Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick are two household names you expect to be in the playoffs each and every year. But with both having no wins this season, Atlanta is a perfect opportunity for them to grab their first checkered flag and lock themselves into the playoffs. Both boast a greater than 80-plus driver rating on super speedways, which makes this a perfect opportunity for them to grab their first win of the 2022 season, both uh, in severe need. I think Brad maybe a little more than Kevin, but they both need it. They both need it because they're both below the cut line right now. 
All right. Uh, our final matchup here is Tyler Reddick versus Austin Dillon. Now, Tyler Reddick picked up his first Cup Series win last week at Road America. That pretty much locks him into the playoffs. His teammate, Austin Dillon, had a flat tire in the late stages of the race, but he pulled off uh, to avoid a caution being thrown. With one RCR locked into the playoffs with Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon, will Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon work together at Atlanta this weekend to try to get two RCR cars into the playoff, or will Tyler Reddick try to rack up playoff points? That is a big question. But I've I've kind of read some things, too, that Austin Dillon uh, has been told by his uh, uh, pawpaw that he needs to to uh, get into the playoffs this season. So uh, there's a little bit of a sense of urgency there for him. That's a sense of a hot topic coming up in about 13 minutes. I know I had that one up on the uh, on the list, and Mike certainly uh, chimed in on that one. So Mike has an opinion on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, as we slide up here, some uh, news and notes. The Atlanta Motor Speedway has lots planned for the fans this weekend. As uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway and Freight Auctions have teamed up to bring a variety of music during the NASCAR weekend with the Rev and Riffs NASCAR Weekend Music Festival presented by Freight Auctions. The music festival runs in conjunction with the race weekend, featuring, featuring musical performance that kick off Friday night and continue through the weekend. From the fan zone to the campgrounds to the front stage, front stretch stage, Fans will enjoy performances spanning from a variety of genres, including pre-race concerts by, whoa, Candlebox and somebody else. Sharon, I just shut mine down. Okay. Where'd you leave off? Uh, Candlebox Candlebox on uh, Saturday in Florida on Sunday. Also, Atlanta Motor Speedway will provide an opportunity for fans to hit the track before – uh, to NASCAR fans, they can take their own vehicles onto Atlanta's 28-degree bank turns and make the first laps of the race weekend under the lights on July 8th from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. With a donation to Speedway Children's Charity, Atlanta participants will be able to drive three laps around the 1.5-mile speedway behind uh, the Atlanta Motor Speedway pace car. Now, fans can register to participate online at speedwaycharities.org slash Atlanta slash. So that's kind of cool that they're doing that, and it's for such a great cause. I have done that at a couple of tracks, Atlanta not being one of them, and uh, I'd say my vehicle's a little under the weather, so I might have to pass on that this weekend. (laughs) I was able to do it at... um, Circuit of the Americas uh, for a Christmas display, which was pretty cool. Cool, yeah. A road course. I definitely would on a road course. And I am trying to scroll back up to where we are now for uh, first-time cup winners here. Is that Tyler Reddick is the latest on the lengthy list of new winners in the cup series. Driving for Richard Childress Racing, Tyler Reddick became the 203rd different race winner in NASCAR Cup Series history with his first series career victory last weekend at Road of America. Now the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season 
is tied with the 2001, the 2002, and 2011 for the most first-time winners in a single season during the modern era. And that modern era runs from 1972 to 2022, and that sets, uh, sits at five each. This season's first-time winners include Team Penske's Austin Sindrick, who did it in the Daytona 500, Stuart Haas Racing's Chase Briscoe, coming at Phoenix, and then to Chase Ross Chastain, driving for Trackhouse Racing at Circuit of Americas, and his teammate Daniel Suarez at Sonoma. And then now Richard Childress Racing's Tyler Reddick at Road America. And this weekend, the series heading to Atlanta Motor Speedway with nine different drivers entered into the Quaker State 400 uh, looking for their first career cup win. If there is another first-time winner this weekend in Atlanta, it will be the 23rd time in NASCAR Cup Series that we've seen back-to-back first-time winners. Most recently, that happened last year with Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500 and then Christopher Bell winning same track but on the road course as they opened the year with two first-time winners. It's a wonderful time to be competing in the NASCAR Cup Series. As a matter of fact, in the last decade of cup racing, uh, 2013 to 2022 has produced 21 of those 203 first-time winners in the series. Okay, let's skip the Take list, a, though. Uh, and, and that's good because that's where I said it's mine is kind of uh, shifted anyway. Yeah. So, all right. Is there? Uh, let me see what's at the bottom of that. Then, is there more notes at the bottom of it? Mm-hmm. There's All a right. couple since, more. Okay, there we got them. Uh, since the inception of the NASCAR Cup Series in 1949, the 1950 season holds the record for the most first-time winners in a single season, at set at 12. By uh, the 19 second is 1956 season with 10 different winners. The all-time most different rate winners in an entire NASCAR Cup Series season is 19 race winners in a single season. And that happened four times. Uh, 1956, which back then it was a 56-race season. 1958 uh, had fi- was 51 races per season. 1961, it was uh, 52 races per season. And we did it recently in 19, or I'm sorry, in 2001, which in the modern era we have 36 race seasons. Okay, now there's a whole town favorite here as well. Chase Elliott Elliott leads the series back to Atlanta Motor Speedway. He uh, recently celebrating with other Georgia champions at the College Football Hall of Fame. Dawsonville native and NASCAR Cup Series uh, point standings leader, Chase Elliott is returning to his home track, Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh, for this weekend's race. The NASCAR Hall of Famer Bill Elliott, his dad, captured his five NASCAR Cup Series victories at Atlanta Motor Speedway in 1985 as a sweep, in 87, and again in 1992 as a sweep. Now Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott is looking for his first Cup Series win at Atlanta and his third victory of this season. Through 16, I'm sorry, through 18 races this year, Elliott has performed at an elevated level He's posted two wins at Dover and Nashville. He also has five top fives and 12 top tens. 
looking ahead to the challenging uh, track this weekend, Elliott has made eight series starts, posting one top five, six top ten finishes, and he finished sixth at Atlanta back in March. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can get that win at his home track. Uh, I think the bell might break, or the siren might break at Dawsonville if that ever happens. Now, let, let me see if I can do this like Larry McReynolds. It's siren, a siren if you're from the <laughs> south. We got some other news here for the NASCAR 2021 Cup Series champion as he has been nominated for the ESPN's Best Driver ESPY Award. And that would be NASCAR's defending champion, Kyle Larson, with that nomination. And that's for the first time in his 10-year Cup Series career. Larson currently drives the number five Hendrick Motorsport or HendrickCars.com Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. Has one win this season coming at Auto Club Speedway with eight top fives and ten top tens along with two poles. Larson finished his championship earning the 2021 season with a series high in wins at 10, top five finishes at 20, and top 10 finishes at 26. He joins a host of NASCAR Hall of Famers by being one of just 11 drivers to have won 10 or more races in a given year. In addition to competing in the NASCAR Cup Series, Kyle also spends his time racing on dirt in late model races, sprint cars, and midgets. He's winning an additional 22 times, having a total of 33 wins in 2021. The 29-year-old Cup Cup Series champion could join the likes of Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., and Jimmy Johnson as NASCAR drivers who have taken home the hardware during the annual SB Awards show. Now, the 29th edition of the ESPY Awards will take place on Wednesday, July 28th, coming up at 20th. Or at eight, sorry, July 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so that's coming up, and fans can vote, cast their vote. You'll have to find the link to it for the ESPY uh, Awards voting, and they can vote up until Sunday, July 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. As we look ahead to this weekend, though, at Atlanta Motor Speedway, Larson will look to redeem himself from the spring race where he finished 30th as he was involved in an incident on lap 146 battling for the Stage 2 victory. So we'll see if he can finish this one out here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Okay, next up we're going to take a look at the playoff bubble, and that might have to be our last uh, segment here for our preview for the Cup Series. Uh, Filling the squeeze just might be an understatement for the drivers without wins this season in the Cup Series as competitors prepare for that 19th race of the 26th race regular season, Uh, and that takes place at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. A total of 13 drivers have already won their way into the playoffs by virtue of their victories this season. That includes Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, Joey Logano, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, Tyler Reddick, Austin Sendrick, Kurt Busch, Chase Briscoe, and Daniel Suarez. Now, with five first-time winners this season, that leaves five drivers 
that might have made the playoffs in the past, scrambling to find their way into the uh, postseason, which is eight races to go in the regular season. Team Penske's Ryan Blaney has the most comfortable points cushion uh, right now with 112 points up on the playoff cutoff, followed by the 2017 Series champion and Joe Gibbs racing driver Martin Truex, who has a 61 points cushion from the cut line. Blaney is a former Atlanta winner taking the checkered flag back in March of last year. Now, most notably, sitting outside the current playoff outlook cutoff is the 2014 Cup Series champion and Stuart Haas racing driver, Kevin Harvick. He has a 12-year streak of making the playoffs, the longest among active drivers, but right now he's in jeopardy as he sits 20 points back from the Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell, who in the 16th and final transfer spot on points. Now, Tyler Reddick bounced Harvick from inside the cut line to outside with his win at Road America last week. But Harvick is one of the best at Atlanta and is sure to run well this weekend. In 33 starts at the track, he's put up three wins in 2001, 18, and 20. He has nine top fives and 16 top tens, along with two poles. His average finish at Atlanta is a stout 13.040. That's fifth best among the active drivers. Plus, he leads the series in pre-race driver rating at Atlanta with 98.5. Now, Harvick will look to rebound from his performance at Atlanta back in March uh, when he finished 21st after starting 8th. The only other former NASCAR Cup Series Atlanta winner without a win this season is RFK Racing's Brad Keselowski. He scored two wins at the track in 2017 and 19, and both were the spring races. To accompany his pair of wins, Keselowski has also put up four uh, top fives and nine top tens at Atlanta. His average finish at the track is 15.0. That's eighth the best. Keselowski is also considered one of the best super speedway racers, having the most combined wins at Daytona and Talladega among active drivers. Keselowski finished 12th at Atlanta back in March. So those guys are going to have to do better this time around. Uh, right now, uh, the drivers that are on the bubble are Ryan Blaney, uh, Martin Truex, and Christopher Bell, and that's only because they have no wins this season. Kevin Harvick, Eric Almarola, Eric Jones, and Austin Dillon are below the cut line sitting in position 17 through 20. Other drivers that could make it in with a win include Michael McDowell, Chris Busher, Justin Haley, Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., Bubba Wallace, Ty Dillon, Cole Custer, Harrison Burton, a rookie, Todd Gilliland, a rookie, and, of course, we just mentioned Brad Keselowski, who sits 30th on the series point standings. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can pull that off this weekend. Okay, we are past the top of the hour, uh, so it is time for us to get into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off and joining us uh, for our conversation here tonight is Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me on. Uh, glad to be back. Well, we're glad to have you here. 
uh, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? I know Jay and I have been uh, kind of previewing what some of these hot topics might be, uh, but let's see where you take us for that first uh, discussion. Let's go with uh, Chicago um, doing or hoping to sign a three-year deal with the city of Chicago to do that street court race. Ah, that's a good one. There's been a lot of discussion about that this uh, this day over at SiriusXM. Uh, Jay, you want to take the first uh, conversation there? Well, I was going to say I like Tommy. He did. He didn't put Mike's uh, hot topic right at the front, but I know Mike chimed in on this one as well. So we'll get around to that. Um, we've heard the discussions about this. There is so much talk about it now. I know this isn't an official deal as of yet, but I really do believe it's going to happen. Now, with that, it'll be interesting to see if it is an exhibition race versus a points race. And I know, Sharon, you want to hit on some things as far as logistics, so I'll leave that off the board for now. But this is something I think NASCAR is going to have to put a lot of work and thought into, um, which I'm sure they already have. Uh, I really, I would like to see it more as an exhibition race, at least to start with, until they get a feel for it. It would not be a high on my list of races to see as far as a street course, but I'm open to the possibility, seeing how they get it done, and if it can be a, a successful event. Okay. Uh, yeah, you must have seen my uh, Twitter post from earlier, and I want to make sure that I'm very clear that I love Chicago. I think Chicago is a great city. I think that uh, it would be great if this works out well uh, as a street race uh, for NASCAR. Uh, I think that fans, if they come to Chicago, uh, they will see, uh, especially where they're talking about having this race, uh, which is uh, pretty much near Grant Park, is a great city. However, My concern has to do more with the logistics of having a street course race in Chicago. I think that there are a lot of logistical issues uh, that NASCAR is going to have to work out. Now, let's also be clear. I want to make sure we're clear also that there was a letter that was obtained by The Athletic, uh, and Jordan Biachi wrote about this. Uh, and in that letter, the city of Chicago endorses an NASCAR race on a temporary street course for a three-year stretch beginning in 2023. Again, that deal is not finalized, but a tentative announcement right now is planned for July 19th. So mark your calendars for that date. Um, now, and, and I've listened to SiriusXM for a good part of the day. I have very mixed emotions about this, very similar to what Pete Pistoni has said throughout the day on um, on SiriusXM. Um, I think Chicago has a lot to offer. I am saddened that they closed down Chicagoland Speedway, so I understand why they're coming to Chicago. It's a big market. NASCAR wants to tap into that big market. Um my concern is that there is the logistics that they're going to have to deal with to make this happen. Now, another thing that was mentioned is that um, NASCAR, I guess my, um, Steve O'Donnell, 
I met in a conversation earlier this year has said that what they're looking to do is have one new festive event every year. This year that was at the L.A. Coliseum. And so they put a little extra effort into that event. And that was a non-points-paying event um, at uh, at uh, the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, a lot of people had concerns about that race and whether or not they could pull that off. There's still some concerns about that uh, with the cost of doing business uh, with the L.A. Coliseum. However, uh, it's huge success. I hope that happens at Chicago. Um, I, I, I think that um, I heard a lot of people have concerns about the crime in Chicago. I'm not as concerned about the crime in Chicago as I am about the logistics of making this happen. Uh, you're talking about some narrow streets. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for fans to watch. Um, what I kind of envision is that they'll have kind of a maybe a festival atmosphere around the race uh, that people can casually see what's happening uh, maybe at the bars in Chicago, on the TV. Uh, that's probably going to be their best bet for seeing this race uh, because I don't think you'll be able to kind of sit in the stands and really see uh, very much of this race without a big screen TV. Um, but um, I, I'm, I'm glad that they're coming to Chicago, okay? Don't get me wrong about this. I, I'm from the Chicago area. I lived in Chicago for 40 years. I worked in Chicago for 20 years, and I, I just, I just have concerns about how the people who live there are going to respond to this. Um, I, I do think I, they brought it up earlier today on SiriusXM. There was an IndyCar race that was supposed to take place in Chicago as a street race. They were going to do a Grand Prix there, and 45 days before the race took place, everything ended. It did not happen. They did not race at at Chicago for that street race. And it's because there was so much residential pushback from the community uh, about doing the street race in Chicago. I do have concerns that that could happen here as well. The city of Chicago is going to love it because it's going to bring business to their community. But the residents of the, of the city may not be as enamored by it. Now, I know that the hope is that people that don't watch NASCAR or wouldn't drive out to Chicagoland Speedway from Chicago uh, may come from their apartments or their condos and take a look at what a NASCAR race is all about if it comes to Chicago. Um, and I hope that is the case. I hope that they, we do gain new fans by bringing NASCAR into the streets of Chicago. Um, but I can't imagine the haulers maneuvering their way into the streets of Chicago and where they're going to park them and how all of that is going to work out. They're going to have to close down streets in order to make this happen, which means that the traffic is going to be a nightmare for people who live in the Chicago area as well. Um, and and I, 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 I'm not saying it's not doable. 
I think it is doable. I think Chicago has a lot to offer, but I think it's going to be a logistic nightmare. <laughs> and it's going to be interesting to see how they pull this off. Uh, and I hope it does work out. So um, that's that's my thoughts on this. But, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm kind of – I kind of agree with Jay. Like, um, I feel like them just announcing that when they do finally go through with this, it's going to be a three-year deal. I mean, they haven't even ran one race there yet. And uh, like you said, it's going to challenge in. And, you know, the Coliseum was this year, and then it was very successful. So um, I think it's a really cool idea, though. I mean, IndyCar does it, and F1, or I should say F1 does it, not IndyCar. So I definitely see where it's an attraction, and it it, it does sound really cool. And, um, I mean, I'm excited to see it for when it does happen, but, I, you know, I'm like you guys. Um, there's just so many questions about it. Like, when F1 does it, that's one thing, but NASCAR hasn't done this. This is uncharted territory. So, I mean, I, you know, I guess kudos for trying to, you know, give something different a try. Um I'm really looking forward to it, and with Chicagoland got off the schedule, there's not very many races for the Midwest besides, I guess, Kansas and uh, Texas and Coda, uh, or, you know, then. but you go further west and then you get Phoenix and Vegas. So, I mean, there definitely does need to be another race in that area um, for NASCAR. So, I wish, I mean, they, they could have brought back Chicagoland, but they want to do this in the city, which I think is really cool. But um, starting off the bat with a three-year deal for something that hasn't been done yet, um, it'll definitely be interesting, and I, I hope it works out. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, it just sounds awesome. NASCAR is going down the street of Chicago racing each other. I just hope it doesn't turn out like that iRacing race they did back in um, uh, 2020 during covid because uh, I remember it being kind of a wreck fest. And then again, that's just a video game. But they do use iRacing uh, a lot. Uh, so, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Okay. Jay, follow-up comments? Yeah, that's that's where I fall. Is the, is the interest in the intrigue. Uh, and, Sharon, you, you obviously had more details on that of the logistics within Chicago and the stance against it, which... I understand that market area. I know that the race we picked up, Road America, isn't quite as close to the Chicago area. I think about the Milwaukee Mile uh, to bring a short track in if you're still looking to be in that area. I realize Chicagoland was a little more outside the city of Chicago, but not that far. Uh, you know, and, and that wasn't supported or, for whatever reason, didn't sustain a race day. So my concern is why are you still trying to work in a market area that didn't? When they went to the Coliseum, I understand there's some logistics involved there, but there again, it's within a stadium, you still have the fans. Sharon, you hit on that of how are the fans going to consume it other than at your local bars and, and or rooftops or whatever, but how does NASCAR charge for tickets then, which, as we heard, the cost of it is going to be high, uh, most likely, so how does NASCAR reap the benefit of it from that aspect? So there are some things to it that we don't know all the details, and, uh, and I'm sure NASCAR has really looked into this. Tommy mentioned the iRacing um, deal. 
I don't know on that case of a video game being more of a wreck fest than this. I know these cars, the next-gen cars, uh, Larry McReynolds and uh, a lot of the analysts talk about, I believe Richard Childress just made some statements on that of expecting more road courses because that's kind of what this car is built towards. And I don't want to go into another hot topic of that, but they are built more for that as far as being better equipped to go left and right versus the older generations of stock cars. So um, it could work. I really think they do need to do it, as I said, an exhibition. I know they only have the one. We may go to, we may see that of more than one or two exhibition races throughout the year, the all-star race. I would hate to see it, truthfully, as the all-star race. Um, If they were to go that route, I'd rather see them do the Coliseum as the all-star race and the road course as the, the Bush Clash. But there again, there's so many different things that go into these decisions that I can't even get into in a short time period, let alone a half hour uh, hour program here. Um, we'll see what they announce on July July 19th. Is that what you said? Um, what Jordan July quoted 19th. as the expected date. Um, see what they announce. I like Tommy. I like the fact that NASCAR is looking at doing new things. Sharon, you mentioned it. They're targeting one new uh, excitement or entertainment value event per year. I I like the direction and the the outside-the-box thinking, Um, but you've got to be careful of how far outside the box you go, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I applaud what Ben Kennedy is doing. I mean, I I, uh, congratulated him when the Coliseum race took place. I like that he's thinking outside of the box. Um, all of that is is very positive. So I'm not. This is not a criticism of NASCAR. Um, I, I just and and I can't wait to kind of see how it does play out. I'm hoping it plays out on a positive note, like the Coliseum did. I really do. I hope they bring in some fantastic entertainment, and uh, that this this really is a huge huge success. Um, uh, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how they make it work because I think it is going to present some challenges for them. Uh, and and um, uh, I, I I kind of agree with Tommy too. It's kind of surprising to me uh, that you know. Again, let me just be clear. I know Chicago, the city is saying that they are in they they are willing to sign a three year agreement. Whether or not NASCAR is willing to do that is yet to be seen. I guess we'll find out on July nineteenth. But um the city of Chicago is saying if we do this we'd like to see you back here for three years. Uh a three year stretch beginning in twenty twenty three. Um uh and that gives them time to work out some of those logistics, or maybe it gives them a chance to see just how difficult it might be uh, to work out some of those logistics. Uh, again, I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think it is going to be challenging. And I think one of the biggest challenges that they're going to run into is the rerouting of traffic um, and, uh, you know, getting people, you know, you'll get people from Chicago uh, that will come to that event, but I think it's going to be hard to get people from outside of Chicago to get through all of the traffic 
so that they can get to the event. I think that's going to be a little bit of a nightmare, too. Uh, you might pull in the Chicago market, um, but I think that's a big might. And I think you're going to make it – I don't know how they're going to make it easy for fans to from the suburbs and surrounding communities to be able to get in to see that race inside Chicago. Again, what they might have to do – is focus on getting fans into the bars and uh, watching that race on TV uh, because I think it's going to be really hard uh, to watch that on the streets of Chicago uh, and, and leave that for the residents if they have any interest at all. But somebody brought up, uh, uh, you know, seeing, uh, and again, I heard this on SiriusXM today, I forget who the driver is, but they saw a driver, a well-known driver, on a street corner, and people were just passing him by. They had no clue who he was or why he was there. Uh, or, you know, <laughs> he was in his uh, driver's suit, but they could care less about who he was or why he was there. So they were just walking right past him. Nobody stopped and asked for an autograph or anything. So it, it is going to be interesting to see how this uh, comes off. Uh, I hope NASCAR fans get behind it. I hope that the uh, crime issue uh, does not keep people from enjoying this race uh, because crime right now and what happened at Chicago uh, over the 4th of July, July weekend at Highland Park uh, and, again, I give my condolences and my thoughts and prayers to everybody involved in that. Um, I think that's a national issue, and I think whether it's in Chicago or anywhere else, that's going to be a concern. And they did publish on Twitter earlier today, Chicago uh, is is down on the list of the highest crime communities uh, that NASCAR could have picked. So I don't think crime should be a reason that people should avoid this. Uh, Chicago does have a lot to offer, and those people who are concerned about that are really uh, denying themselves an opportunity to really see what Chicago has to offer. Tommy? Yeah, I'm just um, I'm just excited to see how it's going to work out. Um, it's definitely an intriguing idea, and they they've got you know they got a lot to do before this race happens. And um, I you know, I think it's going to be exciting. Um, you know, you guys bring up really good points, like how how are they going to charge fans? How where's the grandstands going to be, and all that stuff. And I mean, other race series do it, like F1. So. Um, it can be done, and I just like the idea of it being something different than NASCAR is going to step out and do. Now, um, I don't know about a three-year deal. I think that seems kind of aggressive to start out with. I think maybe you should do what they did with the L.A. Coliseum, do it, and if it works out, then bring it back. But, um, <laughs> you know, another good point was Chicagoland went away and they haven't been back there in three years. And they've got Kansas and stuff. So, you know, it feels like there is a Midwest race missing, but is there a market there? That is a really good question. Because, um, I mean, if they did away with Chicagoland and they haven't brought it back, but they're going to go ahead and jump into the road course um, 
and do it for three years. I just think that um, they should be careful. But I hope it works out. I mean, it's definitely a good idea, and I think it's going to be awesome. Um, cars going down the street in Chicago, uh, racing, I mean, it sounds great. Yeah, it, you know, on the surface, I think it sounds really awesome. I really do. Um, and and I, but I kind of wish, and I'm, this is the last thing I'm going to say. I'm kind of wish for a street race they would have gone to a community where uh, they have experience with street races. Uh, Chicagoland doesn't really have experience with street races. I know they do Hollywood scenes and stuff like that, so they close down streets and stuff. But that's usually like in the middle of the night kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I wish, I kind of wish they had looked at a street race in a different market. However, I do understand why they chose Chicago, which is a very high market potential opportunity for NASCAR. So I get it. Uh, we'll see how it works out. Okay. Jay, you get to pick the next hot topic. Well, we'll go with the uh, follow-up, I guess it is. Uh, we questioned and talked about whether or not NASCAR should and would penalize Noah Gregson for his uh, conduct at Road America, and they did indeed. Uh, it's been fined 35000 for violating the NASCAR member code of conduct. The team also lost 30 owner points and 30 driver points. Um, I'll go ahead and add in Mike's right away here, if you don't mind. He responded with, the next question would be if the penalty means anything at all, as Gregson has already clinched a playoff slot, but the regular season championship was already very unlikely. He doesn't even fall out of position four in points. And <laughs> they should have officially put him on probation. If he picks up the wrong cheek to let some air out. <laughs> He's suspended for a race with no playoff waiver uh, were Mike's comments under this. Yeah. <laughs> he always has a very um, colorful way of expressing himself. <laughs> okay. Tommy. Your yeah, thoughts about the penalty. Tuesday and um, you know, we knew a penalty was coming. Um, I guess my thoughts on it are, I mean, he, the um, $35,000, that's a a good fine. Um, I feel like that's a a decent fine for somebody in the Xfinity Series. Maybe at the cup level, it probably would have been a little bit higher and then um, docking the points. Now, like like Mike said, you know, I don't really know if it affects Noah Gregson too much because he's already got a win. But, um, I mean, he he still lost points, which is a big deal. And – Junior finally released some comments, and um, it seems like he had a, a good talking with uh, Noah. Um, however, there are a lot of people out there that have seen, um, you know, you've seen the videos of Noah after the, the accident and stuff. Did he actually learn his lesson? I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, he. I feel like he is definitely an intriguing star uh up and coming with Ty Gibbs and um, John Hunter Nemechek and like Corey Heim, you know, some of those guys name a few. They're definitely going to be in the cup level in the next couple of years. That's for sure. So, um, 
Noah, I think, should make some smarter decisions because if he keeps on making the decisions he's making, you know, he, he might not – he might ruin his chance at, uh, at the cup level. Um, I still think that he'll get a ride somewhere, but will it be as good as a ride as he could have got if he keeps on wrecking people and punching people off the road? And, I mean, if you've got Junior pulling you to the side saying, you know, this is embarrassing and you're tarnishing my name and your name and uh, – I, you know, that, that's not good. So hopefully he turns it around because um, he does have Bass Pro Shops and Black Rifle Coffee. I mean, he's got some of the best sponsors that NASCAR has, and he drives for Junior. So you know the talent's there. Um, just got to get your head in the game. Yeah, I, I agree. And I know that he let his emotion get the better of him. And I know Kelly Earnhardt said, I'm 49 years old, and sometimes I let my emotion get the better of me, too. But um, NASCAR drivers are kind of held to a, a bigger standard, uh, I think, when it comes to that. Um, we all have those moments uh, and can probably put our finger on a moment where we've kind of lost, um, let our emotions get the better of us, and we wish we had done things differently. Uh, the problem for Noah and what makes him different uh, from you or I letting our emotions get the better of us is he's behind the wheel of a 3,800-pound car, car, and he used that car as kind of a weapon uh, or a means of sending a message to somebody, and it, it affected so many other people. And, and uh, that was something that Dale Earnhardt Jr. said, I, I, can't, I can't support that. I can't get behind that, and, uh, you know, I can't condone that. Kelly Earnhardt pretty much said the same thing, uh, but she said what they're going to focus on him in the discussion is helping him to see the bigger picture. Uh, you know, the fact that, yeah, you might have been upset with that one individual, but look at all of the individuals that you impacted uh, by letting your emotions get the better of you. Now, Noah Gregson has come out and said uh, he understands that he needs to look at that bigger picture and that he is going to try not to let that happen again. Um, but, again, when it comes to being behind the wheel of a 3,800-pound car, there is a responsibility that comes along with that. Oh, and I need to make my announcement real quick before we continue. Um, for our first-time listeners that are tuning in for the first time, we just want to make sure that you know that we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 Eastern time. Uh, now, that means you'll hear us go off the air talking, uh, and we are going to record that part of the conversation beyond that 10.30 mark, and it will be available on our podcast. I will go out on Twitter and Facebook just to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to our player at BamforRacing.com and just fast forward to the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, again, we wanted to make sure you know that that's going to happen and how you can hear the rest of the conversation afterward. So with that, again, there's a responsibility that goes along with being a driver in the NASCAR ranks, uh, and and you have to have control of your emotions when you're behind the wheel of a 3,800-pound 
car or a 3,200-pound car or whatever it is, you need to be in control of your emotions. So it's a, it's a maturity thing that Noah Gregson uh, has once again indicated that he, he still needs some uh, – he's still on a learning curve. A lot of drivers have been on that learning curve, have made the same mistake. Uh, Noah Gregson will hopefully learn from this experience and uh, I hope he does more than try. I hope he makes sure that he doesn't let that happen again. So you know what you say about uh, I hope the airline pilot can land the plane. When when the airline pilot is in charge of what happens with that plane, you don't hope that he can land the plane. You're counting on him to be able to land the plane. And we need to count on Noah Gregson to be responsible behind the wheel of his car. So with that, Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, there's some excellent points there as far as that. And I think that that is why NASCAR did indeed step in and penalize. As I said the other night, wherever they went, you, you could understand and justify it. They don't want to be in the matter of policing every little bump and shove between drivers. This obviously was very intentional and affected a lot of drivers. So them taking action and penalizing him, I understand. Did it really hurt as far as him making the playoffs? No, but I'm not sure that was their intent yet at this point. Uh, the deal between Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth going back a few years, that had carried over over several races. This is the first that we've really seen this kind of outlandish activity by him on the track. You know, off the track, you go pit, uh, pit side, uh, pit road, we've seen him be involved in some scuffles. That's a different story, as Sharon mentioned. You're not using the car as a weapon. So I think this was NASCAR drawing the line in the sand saying, hey, this isn't going to be tolerated. We're putting the penalty here, but trust me, if you do it again or any more comes of it, it's going to get worse. So, and I think by doing the points, it doesn't not only affect Noah Gregson as a driver, it does affect the team, Junior Motorsports. Obviously, Dale Jr. Uh, has mentioned he's been involved and talked to Noah, and it also then does affect the sponsors. So, I think it's an acceptable penalty. I know there's some that feel it should have been none. Some should have felt it should have been worse. Um, and, and like I said, I'd be able to defend those as well if they had. If they just suspended him, I, I could understand it. Um, but I think they've set a good example of where they're drawing the line and that, hey, if it continues, obviously, with everything else, going to ramp it up. Okay, Tommy, any follow-up there? Uh, I think it was a good penalty. Um, you know, I don't know if he necessarily needed more or if he didn't need anything at all, but I, I definitely think that he needed something. And, you know, 35000 is a good chunk of change for an Xfinity driver, in my opinion. And, um, you know, he lost some points, too. So, and he got talking to from Junior. And uh, I guess we'll see if he actually uh, turns it around out there on the track. Um, all I guess maybe a third strike and he's out if he uh, if he does something again. Yeah, I you know 
Yeah, he does not want to make this a habit, that's for sure. Uh, but I think, Jay, you bring up a good point. NASCAR has kind of set the line in the sand. They don't want to be in that position. Uh, Dale Jr. doesn't want to be in the position to have to defend his organization uh, and his driver to the sponsors. Kelly Earnhardt doesn't want to be in this position. Uh, it's uncomfortable all the way around. I don't think Noah Gregson wants to be in this position. And I hope he feels uncomfortable enough uh, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, uh, and, and you know, I, I do think that NASCAR needed to do something. I know a lot of people brought up why didn't they black flag him during the race. And the explanation that I heard on SiriusXM today is that they wanted to have time to review the situation and do some investigation. They wanted to make sure there wasn't anything wrong with the car that caused him to make that uh, that turn uh, and and everything else. So they did their review and they came to this conclusion. I applaud them uh, for for uh, you know. Assessing a penalty, I think it was called for. Uh, I think it's appropriate for a first step, and I hope it's enough uh, to keep Noah Gregson in line uh, moving down the line here. Uh, I don't think anybody wants Noah Gregson to lose his passion for racing and for competing. Um, and I think people understand that he's racing for points where some of these other drivers that were on the track are not necessarily points racing. They're there to get experience or whatever. But um, it's not it's not enough of a reason for him to do what he did. Um, and I hope Noah understands that. Um, I applaud Kelly and uh, Dale Jr. Uh, for coming out right away with their comments. Uh, I think that that was very, very good that they – left no doubt in anyone's mind about where they stood uh, on these situations. Uh, and uh, I think that that was all good as well. Is it is it enough? I, I don't know. We'll see if it's enough. Noah Gregson is going to uh, give us the answer to that. If it happens again, then they're going to have to do something that's different. Uh, hopefully Noah Gregson has learned enough to know that he should never let that happen again. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, there's we, there's times that we thought he's maybe turned the corner, and this was a kind of kind of a, a stumbling block uh, where it's just kind of reinforced that he has not yet completed that corner. So we'll see what happens. Jay, your final thoughts. Well, to, to to make a point here, NASCAR's penalty, yes, it is applied to Noah Gregson, but it is also to the garage of, hey, you know, maybe we've seen little bits of this before. Here's a good example where we are going to step in. Like you said, you know, you don't want to put them in a position where they have to each and every week between any two drivers have a little beef on the track, but that there is a line. So this isn't just going out. Like I said, it's applied to Noah Gregson in this situation, but the message also goes out to the garage, uh, the entire NASCAR yep. Xfinity Series community, as well as even at the cup level. Like Tommy mentioned, had this been at the cup level, I think the points and the money would have been a little bit different. We, we've seen that in the past. They, they associate it to the series based on um, different levels. 
So I think it's a, a message across the board. Just happened to be applied to Noah Gregson, as I think it should be. Uh, we mentioned he does need that reminder. We've seen it with some other drivers uh, in the past. Uh, I won't throw any other names out there, but uh, that you know that's occasionally needed. So I'm with Sharon. Hopefully this does put him on a, in a better track that we've seen him progressing on. You know, right now maybe the pressure of battling for the championship. I know we there's been rumors of him going up to the cup next year. Maybe he's got feeling some added pressure with that. Um, we don't know. So um, we do know that, that most of us feel that was kind of inappropriate and certainly shouldn't have been handled the way it was. And hopefully he will reflect on that. Okay. Uh, Tommy, what's our next hot topic here? Go with um. Let's go with uh, Richard Childress putting pressure on the uh, three car since Talaretic just won. Okay, uh, that's a good one, Jay. Your thoughts? We kind of touched on this during the early part, earlier part of the show. All right, and again, I'm going to go ahead and. Uh jump in here on behalf of Mike because there is part of it that I agree with. Um, but we'll start with that. His first comment was, we knew all knew Reddick would eventually expose Dylan. Um, I g- agree with that a little bit, but also I don't know that it's fully that Mike seems to, in my opinion, Mike seems to take things to an extreme. I don't feel like Austin Dillon has no talent and doesn't belong in the cup series. When you bring in another driver, it is a matter of perspective, especially with we talked about this next-gen car, drivers that didn't have the experience under several other styles of cars seem to be at least adapting to it a little more quickly. So, um, And I didn't use this to Mike when we were having our discussion, but did Kyle Larson come in and expose Chase Elliott? Did Jimmy Johnson come in and expose Jeff Gordon? And I'm using Hendrick Motorsports for a particular reason, is that uh, obviously Mike's favorite. Um, You know, we look at 2311. Kurt Busch came in and won before Bubba Wallace got another victory. You know, so that happens. What you need to do, though, is capitalize on that and say, okay, what what he's bringing, whoever the new driver is, to the table, the thoughts, and look at it from that aspect and work together as a team and an organization. I think that's what Richard Childress is, is kind of hinting at. Hey, you know, you've been steady, no doubt, but if we got a way that we can do better and improve and win, we need to look at it, um, especially when it comes to, and with Richard Childress racing, that number three, very prominently, obviously, the flagship uh, car of that organization. So I think that's a huge impact as well. Um, no different than Richard Petty with the number 43 or something to that effect. So uh, there is some merit to the conversation that he needs to have of, hey, you know, your your steady Eddie uh, isn't working anymore. We need to step it up. And we know we're capable of it because it's happening within the organization. So um, I, I don't think he, he's coming down on Austin Dillon by any means. I think it's not just him as the driver. It is the team and the organization. We know what we're capable of, but now we need to maintain that and step it up all the way across the board. Yes, and and again, I think there's another way we can look at this comment that he made on SiriusXM. 
because what he's saying basically is they've been running good. Childress said during appearance on Sirius XM, they've had, like I said, they've had a second-place finish, third-place finish. They've been right there. They've got to put it together. They're not where they need to be on road courses for sure, but you put them everywhere else, and they're right there with them. They're working hard. They know they've got to go out, and they've got to win, where I think uh, we've got a shot to win one of these races coming up before the chase. That's our plan. We're all working on it, the whole team is working on it. So what I hear him saying there is that they've been really close this year. They haven't quite closed the deal yet, but we have confidence. He doesn't say we have confidence, but he's saying that he feels it's going to happen. He's been within reach of a win multiple times, and he expects the veteran driver to achieve the goal before the playoffs. So, um, does that put pressure on Austin Dillon? Yeah, it might, uh, but I don't think it's going to put any more pressure on Austin Dillon than what Austin Dillon is probably putting on himself. He knew when, you know, just like uh, uh, what Mike is saying, I think Austin Dillon knew when Tyler Reddick came to RCR uh, that it was going to be uh, a lot of pressure on him to, to live up to that same potential. And uh, that's kind of proven itself out to a certain degree. Uh, but when they brought Kurt Busch to 2311 racing, that's exactly what they wanted to happen with Bubba Wallace. They wanted to raise uh, his confidence level and his expectations for himself. So you're right. I don't see that as being anything different. Uh, but I do think that um, – uh, the pressure was already there for Austin Dillon, and I think Richard Childress, in his comments, is saying, yeah, we've been close, we've been close, we really feel we're working hard to make it happen before the playoffs begin. So I kind of read that a little bit differently. I don't know that Richard Childress is necessarily putting pressure on him as much as he's saying, we, we feel like this can happen, and we're all working hard in that direction. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, here's my honest thoughts on it. Um, I want to see the three-car do good because that was Dale Earnhardt's number, and it's a huge number for the sport. So I know Austin Dillon has a Daytona 500 win. I know he's got uh, Charlotte or he's got Coca-Cola 200 win, and he's won a year or two ago at Texas. But for the most part, Richard Childress is right. Like, he is consistent. He does, you know, run in the top 20 every year uh, in NASCAR and, and usually in the points and during the race. So he does have talent. But I just feel like if you drive the three car, you got to win in it. And, you know, Mike is kind of right. Tyler Reddick, it was only a matter of time before Tyler Reddick started winning um, and kind of showing up Austin Dillon. So I'm not going to disagree with Mike. I think that Mike is actually kind of kind of accurate on this one. I, I want to see the three cards do good. Austin Dillon's been racing now for probably going almost 10 years uh, at the cup level. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too entirely sure. I feel like it was 2013, 2014 in that area. When he started racing, um, 
you know, like I said, I just I want to see the three car in victory lane, and he's only put it in there three times. The other guy that drove it put it in there seventy six times. So, but the other guy that drove it there seventy six times uh, was a, a rare talent, like Jeff Gordon and Richard Petty and Kelly Yarbrough. He it's impressive for the guys that do have that amount of wins, like. Uh, I'm not saying that Austin Dillon can't achieve that, but if he wants to, he's going to start winning a lot more. And I just want to see the three-car be like maybe switch the eight and the three-car and let Tyler Reddick drop. That's what it takes. Okay, those are good points. Jay? Wow, Tommy really trying to start something on Twitter. They're asking to uh, change that, change the driver, the number three. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting. I know <laughs> – I was thinking. I was thinking there too, Tommy. The names you put out there. Uh, it'd be a while. Uh, it's, we're in 2022 before we see uh, Kale Yarbrough on your cars for dates. So when you can use the Hardy's car for your date car, uh, six more years. Um, you have to keep that in mind as we go down that road. But there, there's always room for improvement, and and, and I think that's all that that RCR. I mean, obviously, uh, family is very important, but also it's a business. So. That's a tough line to be in. Uh, I know we've had that discussion of why Ty Dillon has never driven for the RCR organization. Um, there's been question on that. I know Kevin Harvick had his issues when he was there. It's finding that right match, and, and I think he wants to do everything he can to find those last little elements. And, and Tyler Reddick, oh, we, we talked about this on our review show on Monday, and they did during the race, being so close. It was a matter of the little things to close out a race. And I think that's where Austin Dillon has always been. The one thing I look at, though, of in judging talent, we talk about Austin Dillon not winning as much on the cup level as he did in the Xfinity and trucks, but we also saw a driver like Jimmy Johnson who didn't win at the Xfinity Series. Jeff Gordon won, I think, one, uh, two. I take that back. He went back to the Xfinity Series to pick up a victory in the uh, Pepsi car. But you can't necessarily judge that from one series to the other. It is adapting to the series you're in. And just getting a victory at the NASCAR Cup Series premier level is very takes a lot of talent. So um, that's where I don't want to see it be that given that a driver doesn't have talent just because they're at the Cup level. I know some have a better opportunity because of money behind them or the name they carry. But the talent still has to be there. And, and we know that's there with Austin Dillon. Uh, it's a matter of finding that one piece or two pieces that go with it so that the total package does become complete. Yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of torn on this one because there is a learning curve. Everybody's kind of on a different learning curve. Uh, Dale Jr., I always felt, had so much pressure on him in his, the early part of his career because of his name, because of everything that happened. I think Austin Dillon might fall into that category as well. I think he handles it uh, maybe a little bit differently than Dale Jr. did. Um, But I I do think that Austin Dillon probably has the talent. Uh, I think his issue is keeping his focus on the right things. I think he has a lot of distractions that maybe take away from the focus uh, that he needs to give to his team. Um, and and I would like to see maybe a little bit more of that from Austin. 
What we have seen from Austin Dillon, though, and, but the same thing was said of Dale Jr., believe it or not. Um, uh, the the thing that I will say about Austin Dillon is that this year he has shown a lot of consistency. He has been racing a lot better. Uh, he is uh, getting closer to getting that win. He's been knocking on that door. Um and he's going to have he's he is I do have to agree with Tommy a little bit that he's been in this business now for quite a while, uh, but then so has Michael McDowell, uh, and Michael McDowell has been running a lot better. Um, but a lot of that I think has to do with the next gen car too, and these guys are making adjustments to this next gen car. I think that people like uh, Michael McDowell. Uh, has figured it out quicker than some of the other veterans. Um, I think Austin Dillon, uh, you know, being a younger driver, has adapted uh, to it pretty well. And I think we are going to see better racing from him. He just has to be up there and be able to close the deal. Uh, he has to become a closer in that number three, <laughs> to Tommy's point. Uh, right now he's not he's not shown that he's a closer. And He's going to have to get that part of the job done. So I'm not talking about them banging people out of the way. Uh, it's not my way of winning a race, and I don't think it's Austin Dillon's way of winning a race. But he is going to have to show uh, some uh, some aggression, I guess. I, aggression is kind of a strong word. Uh, he's going to have to go after it maybe a little bit harder than what he is in order to close that deal. Uh, and I'm talking about racing hard, not knocking people out of the way. So that's my follow-up. Tommy, you get the last word on this one. Yeah, um, just basically what I said earlier is, like, he drives the three cars, so you want to see it get in victory lane more often. It's not that I don't like Austin Dillon and Ty Dillon, and I don't think that they – not that they don't deserve to be in that car. But Jay brings up a good point with, you know, Richard Childress is Austin Dillon's granddad and Ty Dillon's granddad. So it kind of does seem that he's driving the three car just because it's his granddad's car. But – at the end of the day, I feel like I remember Richard Childress saying that um, if Austin's not in the three car, he's going to get rid of it. So Austin, stay in the car as long as you need to, because I think the three car being out there on the track is very important. <laughs> uh, what I would um, now, with that being said, I agree with you, Sarah. He's been he's been in NASCAR now for, I really feel like, 10 years at the cup level. And before that, he was at trucking, you know, Xfinity. And, um, you know, he's got Bass Pro Shops, so he's got a good sponsor. And he's always had Dow. I don't know if they're no longer with him or not, but um, that used to be it. So, I mean, he's had sponsorship. I uh, just need to close. And he did win a 500. Um, personally, you know, he did move Al Marola out of the way. But, I mean, who then again, who isn't going to move anybody out of the way to win the 500? Um Especially this day, and time, drivers don't care anymore. I, I mean, Harvick and Martin, in my opinion, was one of the best finishes ever, uh, with Clint Boyer sliding down on his roof. But um, oh, I was there. I saw that. But um, 
you know, I just want to see a three-car victory lane. That's that's it at the end of the day, and I hope that he yep. can, you know, get more wins in it. And if not, you know, Richard Childress, instead of getting rid of the three-car, just put somebody in there that will get wins in it. Don't retire it just because your grandsons are going to retire one day. Okay. Uh, Jay, you think we can squeeze one more in here? Well, I was thinking about whether or not that was a separate hot topic of uh, who else should be in the number three, but we'll leave that one for another time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.